Hey, you damn guys. Welcome to Book Club Member Comics. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And Ross Radke. And Christopher Egan. Hey! hey. It's all the boys. All the boys are <laughs> the hanging boys out club. today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, thank you guys for joining us on such a spur-of-the-moment episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Yes, thank you guys for joining us. Yes, this is our book club podcast. We're reading comics. We're talking to our friends. And now Ross and Chris Egan are going to go back and forth and tell you all about it. Go ahead, guys. (laughs) Oh, man. Um... (laughs) So it's a book club. (laughs) And we're all friends. And we're going to tell you to read something. Back to you, Ross. I don't even know. I was going to say, usually how this works is... We've all read something, and then we talk about it, and then you guys listen to us talk about what what we read, and you guys probably read it too, so you're going to give us some feedback. You hit us up on the social medias and stuff, but today, that's not happening. <laughs> yes, today that's not happening, but I still made you talk about it anyway. Excellent job, boys. That was great. That was excellent. So normally, uh, we're talking about comics. We've usually read a comic. We were scheduled to read the final issue of Silver Surfer this week. We're going to do our big finale, but then we all got pooped on, and Danielle got sick, and so Danielle has the flu, and I'm starting to get sick, and I probably am going to get sick too, so... But anyway, uh, we're still going to have a great time. We're going to talk about some cool stuff. Literally, like the day before yesterday, I hit up Ross and Chris Egan to see if you guys could come on. And um, yeah, y'all were very generous with your time. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. No problem. Ross, uh, we've talked to you about some of your projects in the past. Can you let our listeners know what you've got going on right now? Right now, mostly what I've been working on and chipping away at in my free time is my webtoon series, Spandex. Yes. Which is just kind of like me just playing around in the superhero genre. It's not, you know, for people who don't aren't familiar with Webtoon, um, it's an it's an comic reading app, but it's not traditional like you know U.S. comics. It's not even really manga. Right. It's a continuously scrolling platform. So like it, you know, you you can break things up into panels but sometimes people get more creative with that so i like to kind of play with that scrolling format yeah it's really um, and cool it feels it feels almost more like i don't know the pacing is different and the way that you compose the story is different so i've been having fun with that it's just been something to keep myself busy um amongst all the other stuff going on in my life yeah and this year i do have some plans to get back into comics proper and uh you know i don't want to Promise to not deliver, but I am hoping to get a few projects done through Kickstarter again this year. Sweet. Um, or yeah, po- nice. possibly some other platforms oh, as well. Okay. Um, Excellent. Might be too early to say, but I did get approached about. Um, I mean, I've been saying this for a while, so I'm going to put together a collected edition of the Stomp Anthology, which yes. is my kaiju series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that's hopefully going to be coming at some point in the year. Um, nice. I've got to do some organizing of the pages and i want to do a few new stories to add so that there's like some extra content for people who already have the four single issues very cool yeah hopefully i can get some momentum um a lot of stuff has been stalled out i'm going to be moving soon i'm moving to portland in april ah okay yeah cool 
Um, so, man, moving is super stressful, man. <laughs> yeah, on top of you know, on top of yeah, everything else that you have going on, man. Going on. Every time we so, move, like I almost have like a nervous breakdown, like uh, like Danielle has to pull me out of the street crying or something like that. Usually. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's been a while. I've been in the same place um, since we moved to Oregon in 2013. So I've been in the same apartment for 10 years. Oh, wow. And just ready, ready for a change of scenery. That's good. And yeah. I've been thinking about doing like a road trip, coast to coast road trip. Never done something like that before. And I figure if not now, when? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I've got awesome. some fun stuff planned. But, you know, a lot of comics projects kind of that have been on the back burner for a while. Once I settle in at some point in March, you know, start to focus on things again. Okay. Um, I've been meaning to ask you, like, if people missed out on any of your comics, Milagro, Stomped, are, there, are those still available through your website? Yeah, I got to update my website. They are. Um, digital copies of Stomped are available. It's just, you know, you, it pay and download okay. um, the PDF. Um, I do have print copies of everything still. And so the best way is just, just, you know, hit me a direct message on Instagram or Twitter um, or my Facebook art page. Just, just, yeah, if anyone's interested in print copies, let me know. Um, because if I ship stuff together, you know, I can bundle it together and, and lower the price. So. Oh, nice. Okay, excellent. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, great. Thanks again, Ross, for joining us. And um, Chris, I've been meaning to ask you, do you still write for Multiversity? Yep. Yeah. Um, Talk a little bit about that. <laughs> Basically, a couple of years ago, we kind of shifted how we do things. So um, we have two like writing teams that do long form reviews uh, every other week. So I do a long form review for them every other week. Uh, a new whatever the you know a new issue is coming out that Wednesday, um, and then every week I also do mini reviews of stuff that's collected in like the 2000 AD uh, magazine, like Judge Dredd and, oh, and some more wow. stories. Oh, okay, nice. So. So we have a team that covers all those stories. It's a large writing team. I'm not I'm not part of that group anymore. I used to do it when I had more time. Yeah. Um they do mini reviews of like of new releases. So like we tend to do like four big reviews of something of four different issues and then another team of like six or eight people will do sh uh, shorter reviews and we'll send that out in like a like a long form column with like eight to 10 reviews of oh, different nice. issues in there. Okay. So we cover a lot of stuff every week. Plus, you know, we do movie reviews. I'll do an occasional movie review. Like the last one I did was December for the new Miyazaki, the boy and the heron. Oh, um, I was able to, I haven't seen that yet. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's incredible. I was able to go to an early IMAX screening, like the Monday before it actually came out. Wow. Um, awesome. So I was able to, I was able to come home and just, download my thoughts <laughs> like days days early which was nice so i wasn't like rushing to get like this big review well yeah and there, you're, like, you're also day. not influenced by what everybody else is saying about it when it comes out you know right right yeah. and i and i went in and and actually i think most people went in with that movie knowing very little because the the marketing campaign was very minimalist even in japan like there was like a very short trailer that showed really nothing Hmm. um there there was a there was like one poster that was literally just like the heron's face it was <laughs> it was it was all done on purpose it was it was kind of to keep everything under lock and key and it ended up being honestly one of my favorite miyazaki films and he's one of my favorite directors wow um so i was i went in with 
you know, pretty high expectations, but not like the highest. I was like, you know, what this, this is like his 12th film. He's, you know, he's in his 80s now. Mm. What else does he have to say? And I and I walked out really blown away. It's it's an interesting movie. I don't want to like take up all the time talking yeah. about it, but it's a, it's an interesting movie. Like it it can be a little vague with what it's trying to say. And you kind of just have to hang in there and and, and wait for it. It's not going to like spoon feed you anything. Right, right. Okay. So I'll link Ross's website in the show notes. And I'll also link uh, Christopher Egan on Multiverse. So you can check out all the articles that he's written on there. Very cool. Yep. Thanks, so, guys. I, so yeah, thanks, uh, guys. I got a quick question for Chris. Yes. So according to your letterbox, <laughs> I've watched right. over 9,000 films. Wow. Yeah. Now, now I have... I have a degree in film. When uh-huh. I was in college, I would watch two to three films a day. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I started my Letterboxd account, I went through every year from about 1980 up to today, went through the top 100 films of each year and logged every single one that I've seen. Mm-hmm. I have yet to hit 2,000 films. <laughs> so how, how is it even possible that a human being... Can I see nine thousand films? I don't know. I don't know how how old you are, but I think we're like uh, somewhat um, old age. I'm 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 going to be thirty eight this year. Okay. Um, okay. So you got a few years on me, but not many. So from the time that I was a toddler, uh, my parents were showing me movies. We would go to the movies all the time uh, growing up because me and my siblings were quiet kids, and like, well, we knew when to be quiet, basically. Right. And we could sit in the theater like we could go to a movie and not be like t- little terrors. Um, so just my whole life, like movie watching has just been like a thing I've done. And then as I got older, I did a lot of I kept I would have like some sometimes with certain jobs, I would have weird hours. So I'd have like time during the day to like just sit down and like throw on like a couple movies or I would put on a movie like while I was like cleaning the house or something. It's just yeah, when, when I first got my Letterboxd account, I just kind of went through like every genre and just started checking off things and this took like months to to put together but i was checking off like everything i had seen i went i literally downloaded like the file from netflix to see like everything i had streamed everything i had rented via (laughs) dvd wow Um, i thought you could do that yeah it'll download it downloads not like an it's not like an excel sheet but it's kind of similar it's like a text file Um, or something yeah, yeah yeah so it's like i was able to like look at everything i've rented and then i was and then like i would just like go through my memory like what movies did i see growing up in the theater like things i rented like obscure things like like weird thrillers that my parents would rent and it's just it's i've had a letterbox for like five years now and i'm still like coming across stuff that like i go in i'm like oh i've seen this movie and i go in and i haven't checked it off so then i check it off and then and then now like starting last year i started doing the thing where i like log everything i've watched in a year so last year i watched almost 900 movies and some of that's like re some of that's rewatches and some yeah. of that's new stuff i'm already wow. like what are we on january 31st i've already logged 60 movies wow that's nuts dude <laughs> and i and i guess for for those listening that that don't know me i, I work from home and i'm a stay-at-home dad so Pretty like much movies working, are playing nonstop. <laughs> yeah, and like you know, I don't, and I don't like, I don't like to give my child like screen time all the time. Like I let her right. watch stuff, and you know, she watches. I'll throw on the Disney movie or whatever. So if she's watching like Peter Pan for the first time. I'm watching Peter Pan with her, so I log that I've watched Peter Pan again. Sure, like, yeah. 
and then and then if she's napping and like I have like like a big dual monitor set up for work because I work on like house plans and stuff. So one monitor will will be my work and the other monitor will be a ha- split down the middle. One side is email and the other side is a movie. <laughs> or uh, but uh, but actually a lot of times I'm actually listening to like you guys. I'm like listening to podcasts and oh, audiobooks okay. and stuff too. So I'm just I'm just an absolute fiend with media. So when people come up to me and like, oh, what's a good movie to watch? I just my brain breaks because <laughs> in the last in the last week I've watched forty five movies. Wow! So wow! I'm just you know. But... How so? How do you how do you decide what to watch? Because that's something I I'll sit down and I'll just I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna eat dinner and watch something. I will finish my dinner by the time I decide what I actually right, want to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely have I definitely have moments like that for sure. And like like I have almost like every streaming service, and I will like I have like no joke. My Shutter like watch list has like 60 movies in it. And eventually I just go, I'm going to watch this movie that I've had on my watch list for two years. Right. And right. I just go, I'm, you know, you sometimes just have to be like, maybe I'm not in the mood for this, but hey, maybe actually a good example. I was actually going to bring this up with our, what do you see? What do you say? But I watched a movie last night that has been on like my 2B watch list for probably six months, if not longer. And I have, I had no idea what it was about. I don't even remember why I added it. It must've been like something I heard about somewhere. And I ended up finding it to be a pretty cool horror movie, and I just threw it on last night just because I was like, "Oh!" I, and it was gonna, it was gonna like expire off Tubi like oh, today, right, so I was yeah. like, "I should probably watch that." Nice. But yeah, <laughs> I just watch stuff. I'm a, I, I don't know. I probably have like some sort of mental illness, but <laughs> <laughs> you're I mean, the watcher. I, you're the watcher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about that because I'm kind of compulsive like that too, where I will like, I have a hard time just watching something or doing something for the sake of doing something it's like i i've had this completest streak where Mm -hmm. if i want to watch something i'm like yeah but i can't just watch this i have to watch every movie by this director or i have to watch every movie in this franchise or yeah um yeah i get like that too yeah same thing with like even comics and stuff kind of going back to what we're supposed to be talking about <laughs> um, you know like it's hard for me to just like drop in like if i hear that there's a good run on something it's like yeah but i need to go back and read you know the classics so that i have the context for what i'm reading sure, and i guess i'm yeah, just kind of like yeah. also like a context kind of like this there's like a there's like a need to kind of like if i'm going to engage with something i want to know everything there is about it Ross, um, I think you and I are very similar. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, I, I mean, I've talked about this before when I was working on Stomped and I like binge watched every Godzilla movie, every camera film, you know, just like a, I wanted to absorb as much of that as possible yeah. before I kind of would like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why my, and I, it's the same thing with music. I'll listen to like entire discographies and like, like whole record labels and things. Yeah. When I throw on like an album, I listen to the whole thing. Yeah, I, I was and, just yeah, talking to like, somebody about that. I'm not saying that everyone should listen to records, you know, like one of those people like, oh, vinyl is whatever. But I but I do appreciate the fact that you have to listen to every song. You know what I mean? Like you got to flip. You got to listen to the if you want to get to the whatever the single or whatever song you really like on the album. I mean, if you're listening to a vinyl for the most part, unless you're going to be dropping the needle repeatedly in the middle of it, which most people don't do, you're just going to listen to mm-hmm. it from start to end. And like, I feel like that's kind of a more forgotten thing lately i think 
people just more listen to singles and just just the songs that they like and you don't really listen to all the time listen to the whole thing that the artist has put together you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah well i mean yeah i know what you mean there because like uh kathy and i have a shared playlist on spotify and whenever we're doing stuff or driving or something we throw that playlist on and it's like on chuckle and then we'll hear like a new song and add to it but yeah it's not really listening to albums it's more like listening to our own personal radio stations right right yeah but i do like uh listening to who said that chris right you brought that up that you listen to the album from beginning to end yeah and even when i was younger and i think it's because like well you, you guys will know like when I started listening to stuff, I was listening to, I was mostly listening to stuff on like cassettes, like yeah, early nineties, yeah. like, you know, I have like Nirvana and green day and stuff like on cassettes still. Yeah. And like, my dad's always been like ahead of the curve with like physical media. So we were, we had CDs at that point for sure. Um, but like he had this insane and still does like this insane record collection and cassette collection. A lot of the cassettes he's like sold off at like yard sales and flea markets and stuff but like that's what i grew up like listening to at first and then like cds came and even like when i had cds like all through like my adolescence into high school i still unless it was like unless i had like bought something where i ended up like really not liking a lot of it i still would listen to the whole thing i didn't really skip songs right yeah yeah i um I went through, like, as my music taste was developing, because I grew up near Seattle in the 90s, so, like, grunge was still around and pretty pervasive on the rock stations, and then, um, you know, rap rock and new metal and all that stuff, the Bay Area stuff. I I would listen to, you know, whatever other kids my age were listening to, right? Blink-182, Green Day, Limp Bizkit, whatever. And And then I would really be interested in, like, there'd be little, like, interludes little instrumental weirdness between tracks right. and i'd be like well what about like like why doesn't someone just make an album that's just this the weird interesting <laughs> stuff and then like again as i explored more i realized oh like people do like <laughs> like you know there's so much more music out there than what's on the mainstream radio right yeah. um but like that yeah that that for me is like you know there's there's fun there's fun and to be had with like you put something on shuffle and you get some like weird, you know, you're listening to some math core thrash band. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. the next thing that comes on is like Prince, right? Like right. <laughs> that's, that's fun too. That that was a great, uh, that was a great jumping off point, Ross. I uh, was talking about Chris's Letterbox. I, I had no idea that you have <laughs> over 9,000 films on there. That is, that is nuts. Wow. Well, yeah, I'm I, hoping, I'm hoping for hit to hit 10,000, like the end of the year. you can do it i know you can i should should be able to do it you'll do it Uh, by next month probably (laughs) and i can't imagine how many movies i've seen because it's like you know i like uh my dad took us to the the theaters all the time throughout the 80s and 90s and you worked in a movie theater and i worked at a movie theater and we worked at a video store. and we worked at a video store too so yeah Yeah. Uh, i guess i should say is that that ten thousand or you know over nine thousand also includes short films and miniseries whatever like letterbox allows on there right okay. right okay okay i don't know i think i think kathy could give both of you guys a run for the money on watching stuff because she like <laughs> binges through like tv shows and all sorts of things like all the time wow okay huh <laughs> oh i think chris when i have been looking at yours every looney tune short is considered a separate film so yeah. And yeah like... so like i haven't gone through and logged all those yet but that would be a pretty hefty chunk yeah yeah because yeah because 
that was something I like watched. I've watched all of those as like when I was a kid and like certain Disney shorts are on there and right. stuff. So I, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I used to watch all that stuff. I need to get kid. one of those. Um, I, I've, I've always wanted to, but I'm like, man, I don't have the time to do this. I was like, I don't have time. I don't I'm, I'm in a band. I'm doing this podcast. I, do I, I don't have like, time. Yeah. It's like a good thing when you're just like waiting at a bus stop or something, you know, like that's just a good, like when you have just, time to wait right okay right since the good yeah. time killer yeah i don't know with that whole like completionist thing that you were talking about i think that i would become obsessed with it and just be like oh my god you know what i mean <laughs> let me see if i can download my netflix text file or whatever i, I also like uh, people people will make like i'll get an idea for a weirdly specific list of like film rankings and then i'll look and someone will have already made it <laughs> like so like a, yep. a recent example was um i just watched um inland empire the david lynch film mm-hmm. and there's like these weird um there's this like weird parody of a sitcom thing that he did oh, rabbits, rabbits. Just people with a rabbit head. yeah so i was like oh yeah i'm gonna make a list of scary rabbit movies because i was thinking about like donnie darko and a few others. Oh, and, yeah. And like, there was multiple lists on Letterbox already that were like scary rabbit movies. Wow, <laughs> yeah. that's so funny. Like, yeah. That's wild. Awesome. Um, well, let's talk about uh, comics a little bit because now we're going to go on to our next segment. What do you see? What do you say? All right. What are you guys seeing and saying? Go ahead, Ross. You go first. This year, I decided I was going to read manga. Ah. Uh, it's it's a big. Like manga is huge, yeah, and it's yeah. like a huge blind spot for me in terms of comics. I've read Akira, I've read Battle Angel Alita, oh, I've okay. read a little bit of like Lone Wolf and Cub, and a few other things, you know. But yeah, I really wanted to kind of immerse myself in that world mm-hmm. and and like just sample a whole bunch of stuff. So what I decided to do is to try to read the first volume of a new series every two weeks wow um and they're pretty quick 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 reads but i've you know got other stuff i'm reading and doing yeah and i want to like read stuff that's like you know considered like the classics and i want to read stuff that's more contemporary and stuff that's a little bit more i guess would be like indie manga versus mainstream okay i kind of wanted to get a good like a good good overview of of what's going on in japanese comics right and so i started out i so i've read three Three series so far, the first volume. I read Chainsaw Man, My Hero Academia, and Kaiju Number 8. Oh, okay. And, you know, already with those first three, there's kind of some acclimation that I had to do to, like, reading order for panels is different. Oh, yeah. You know, Western readers. And there's some weird stuff where, like, the word balloons don't always fit the dialogue because they're, of course, having to translate the Japanese into English. Um, and so sometimes I'm questioning, like, is this like, you know, if stuff feels awkward, I'm like, is this bad writing or is this bad translating? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it kind of like takes me a while to get settled in. Um, but I gotta say that like, I'm really enjoying it because the stuff that I've read so far is just completely bonkers. (laughs) And it's so, I don't know. It's been, it's been interesting. I don't, I don't know what all to say about it, but that's kind of been that's kind of like my plan for the years. I just want to kind of explore that, that realm and fill that hole, I guess. Yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. Uh, I've read part of Akira, but I don't have the whole thing. So I haven't read all of it and I've read ghost in the shell. Um, okay. 
I have Ghost in the Shell 1.5 and Ghost in the Shell 2.0, but it's every time I go to try to read Ghost in the Shell 2.0, I'm just like, oh, there's so much of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided to wait until I collected the whole thing, That's and then I just never got around to reading it. One of the reasons why I've never gotten into manga is like it's overwhelming to like look at the shelf and there's like thir- over 30 volumes of a series. Right. And, yeah. and like what, what we were talking about earlier, like my completest kind of compulsion, it's like, well, if I read the first one, I'm like, I'm going to have to read all of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's why I kind of had to be like, no, this, this year I'm just going to do volume one and then move on to the next thing, volume one. And then the ones that I enjoyed, you know, I'll, I'll go back to and continue. Right. But like, instead, instead of just picking one and being like, this is going to be my series. I, I wanted to like, I don't know. For me, I just like, I had to like come up with a way of approaching it. Yeah. But I could get, get an idea. Make it a little what, bit more manageable. Like. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. about you, Chris? Um, Any manga? Manga? Yeah. I keep saying yeah, manga. I, I have manga. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have, uh, I have a few things. I have, I have the complete Ghost in the Shell, like the three hardcover volumes. Ooh, nice. Um, I will say the first story is a hundred percent the best one, and that's why that's right. that's what was made into the movie. Yeah. Um, the other two are kind of get they get weirder as they go, and it took me a little while to get through them, to mm. be honest. I have the complete Akira box set, the one that like Strackbine's always uh, <laughs> talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want yep. to. Um, I want that. I, so bad. <laughs> I picked I picked it up before my daughter was born, and I still haven't read it. Like, I'm so behind on stuff; it's mm. not even funny. Because I'm such a horror freak, I have a whole shelf of horror manga, uh, mostly by Junji Ito, and then I have a few other volumes from from other creators. But yeah, I'm the same way. Like if I like when I go to like a Barnes and Noble and I look at like their manga section and like whatever series has like a hundred volumes and it's not even over, I'm like I can't even think about like getting into something <laughs> like that right um so so i go for like the one-offs i go for the stuff that i that's like done already like akira like ghost in the shell a lot of the like the jinji ito books are like when they first get released it's kind of like they come out in single issues but then a lot of his stuff gets uh collected into hardcovers so like one of his most famous is uh uzumaki which is it's a horror masterpiece but it came out in like i don't know 10 15 issues at the time and now it's like in a nice hardcover so i wait for like those to come out, and that's you know that story's probably 20 years old now if not older right um and he does a lot of like anthology stuff too so like a, like a lot of his stuff just comes out in hardcover and it's like you know 15 yeah. short stories nice so i collect a lot of that stuff and then and then there's a few things that i'm trying to get into like the other things that i know are, are completed like uh blade of the immortal read a little bit of that yeah yeah that i think they're doing i think it's done now there's like 10 hardcover volumes and i have the first two but yeah, that that's interesting because like, it's it's mostly drawn in pencil right yeah or, that's nice it's, that's it's interesting. very like minimalist is it like a no colors then or most manga doesn't have color right is, does yeah it? most black and white yeah yeah a lot of it yeah um sometimes they'll have like a few colored pages at the beginning but yeah generally speaking um, actually the, i'm gonna check i think i think those ghosts in the shell volumes that i have i think those are full, full color. color yeah yeah and i think that was i think when they first came out they were black and white 
but then like as soon as they got reprinted they, i think they've always been in color since then okay. that was that was kind of one of those early crossover of the states ones that like dark horse or someone put out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the the guess of the show that i have is the uh the dark horse trade yeah okay i actually yeah. i have they're from japan they're the like they're red right to left they're like the deluxe editions put out by condansha or kodansha comics here's a question is the akira box set in the original reading order or is it the weird like thing where they flop it and and cut and paste it the box set is the proper uh reading order yeah that was was the whole point of that was that it was the uh anniversary set and it would be the first time that the states got the proper layout yeah, oh, wow. I noticed, um, in in the volumes that I have, which were like I don't know what you'd call them, like the um, phone book kind of volumes that oh, Dark Horse right. had, yeah, paper yeah. back ones. There'll be certain pages where it's like a splash page, and so they don't flip it, and so Tetsuo's big gross arm changes sides sometimes. Oh, weird. Uh, There'll be like little errors like that that I'll notice. Hmm. Yeah, because uh, when they that one and Blade of the Immortal and I'm sure there's other examples when they were first printed and or you know published for the US, they would flop the pages and but like sometimes they would actually have to like physically like even like change the panels. That's what I was thinking. Like you would have to change the panel order too, wouldn't you? If you were flopping yeah, the, it wouldn't yeah. be as simple as just flopping the pages over. Yeah, like so sometimes they'd actually like move panels around or like you know, have to like get creative about where they move like word balloons and stuff. And and I mean they do a pretty good job with it, but you know, I don't know. I think yeah. it's preferable to just watch something or like, you know, read something the way it was originally drawn. Oh yeah, no, I completely agree there. Weird weird side note about Akira. I actually have several issues of Akira that was, I guess, published by Marvel's Epic Imprint back in the 80s or 90s or something like that. That John and I, we found that, remember we went to that bedrock that's not there anymore? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And they just dug through their back issue sale, and I found all of these random Akira. It's not the whole thing. It's just weirdly, and weirdly enough, they're in color. The the single issues were in color for that one. Yeah, because they were they they were trying to make him appeal to an American. Oh, audience. that was the American version. Okay, now I got it. Yeah. Nice. What about you, Chris? Have you been checking out? What comics have you been checking out? I, I'm, I'm actually glad I'm on this week because I just caught up on a ton of stuff. Nice. Um, so if you had asked me to come on like two weeks ago, I'd have been like, I'm so behind. <laughs> I'm still behind. I'm still, I still have like two pretty large reading stacks, but I did get through um, a lot of vampire stuff, coincidentally. Oh, okay. Um, I picked up first two issues of Christopher Golden's mortal terror oh are you guys reading that no i didn't even know it was out man i need to contact my lcs and see if i can still get those issues yeah the first two issues are out i don't even know if i want to spoil it i'll say this it's a it's an interesting take on vampire and dracula lore and okay i like that i'm not loving it Hmm. but it's christopher golden and tim lev it's basically like a whole like hellboy universe team it's Christopher Golden, Tim Levin, Peter Berting, and Chris O'Halloran. Wow. And so the like nice. the writing is great, the art's great, 
I just I don't think I'm feeling it totally, but I'm gonna hang in there a while to see like if it if it really latches into me. Sure. Because uh, I don't want to spoil it because I did dive in not knowing anything about it, just that it was like that team and the I like the art. Yeah, uh, I don't know anything about it, so I'm definitely gonna try is, to pick that is, up this week. It is like vampire stuff, and I think as fellow Coppola Dracula fans, okay. I think you'll get a kick out of some of the stuff that's in it. Nice. Okay. So there's that, along with James Tynan's Dracula that he just did. They did a four-issue Dracula series. Mm. Oh, wow. uh, Actually, I'm going to go grab an issue because I can't remember who the artist is. Um, The art's really cool. It's very, like, dreamlike, spooky, weird. So, yeah, it's James Tynan and Martin Simmons. It's literally under... it's, It's actually from Image Comics, but it has, like, a Universal Monsters, like, imprint. And it was basically like a four issue version of like kind of kind of like bella lugosi's dracula but yeah updated a i'm little looking nastier. at this this looks really cool yeah it nice. was it was a fun read and, it, and it, like i said it's only four issues it's a quick read it mostly follows the lugosi version but it definitely takes some liberties with things and then the third vampire book i was reading is it's another four issue series the first three issues are out it's also from image called blood commandment okay oh wow. i had reviewed the first issue for multiversity like a uh, when it came out a couple months ago i'm liking it it feels very much like an indie horror movie um from the dialogue to the panel layout um and hold on i have to find that too who was that by Kod- kodransky Kod- Kod- yeah i i don't even know how to pronounce his first name um, I think he does like everything on it. I think he's the writer and the artist. Yeah. Um, wow. It's also it's pretty nasty. Some good blood and guts flying around. Mm. Um, basic story of guy and his kid live in the woods, you know, off the beaten path. The guy goes into town to the general store to pick up supplies like once a month, and you know from the start that like something bad is out there, right? Looking looking for him. Uh, but you're not sure why. And uh, his wife has passed away. So it's him and like his like 12 year old son living on their own. And vampires are out there. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah, so, it looks really nice. So I caught up on that. The art looks amazing on this. Yeah, it's, it's a cool book. I really, I really, really like the panel layout. It feels like movie scenes. Um, it, it, it feels like he's he's working out something like he's like i'm never gonna make a movie so i'm gonna make it this comic book and it's gonna look like a movie <laughs> yeah it does um, look like that just a couple of the pages that are shown here if you just uh, i just put it in google and um yeah it feels the, like camera some of the cuts page sometimes. layouts look very cinematic so it's, it's a cool little book i like that it's you know it's another like four issue thing i think i think the the final issue comes out like in like a week or two okay awesome um so that's that i caught up on some hellboy nice uh, i read the blade runner comics i've been reading the alien comics how are the alien um, comics the, the marvel ones right yeah so th- some of them are really good they're really really good about telling you when they take place like at the beginning of each issue it kind of gives you like a date okay. like a year so it really places them like in and around the movies so you're like okay this is like around the time that aliens takes place or this is like 50 years after aliens or or whatever so you so it's they're really really good about like keeping continuity straight um the early arcs i thought were were very good 
and it's been solid straight through. I've picked up every issue so far, um, and including like annuals and stuff. We're probably at like issue like twenty something or thirty at this point. Okay. But they keep okay. every time they start a new arc, they go back to number one, which is why I'm not sure which one we're on. Oh, okay, um, that's irritating. Gosh, I hate. Yeah, that. so so it's like a, like like a creative team will leave and then they start back at number one, and it, and it's a whole it's a whole new story, but everything is still somewhat connected. Hmm. Like I said, it's been solid straight through. I think right now they're kind of getting into some of the problems that like Dark Horse even had. Like a, a lot of it's very straightforward, which I like. It's straightforward alien story. It's a straightforward horror story. Um, but they're starting to kind of get into like some weird territory <laughs> with different kinds of aliens and like mutations and stuff. Oh, I see. Um, right. So it's so I'm kind of like, all right, like this is fine, and and like I said, I enjoy, I've enjoyed every issue, but I'm I'm kind of hoping that they go back to kind of like how the comics were started under Marvel. Have you guys ever seen the adorable behind the scenes footage of the alien dog costume that got cut out of? Yes. I forget which one it was. Yes, no, I know. Uh, alien three, alien three. Like they like. You just you can't hide the personality of a dog, no, no matter how much <laughs> scary costume you put on it. It's great. Oh man. Yes, I do remember seeing that. Are there any alien dogs in the comic? Not the new one. <laughs> but yeah, I mean like a lot of the old uh a lot of the old Dark Horse comics would get into like, oh, the the chestburster came out of a gorilla, so it's a gorilla alien. Oh yeah, yeah. They've the yeah. they gotta switch it up yeah. somehow, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was all to sell action figures, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Those are great recommendations. Um, so if, if you were going to recommend one of those alien mm-hmm. titles, what, what, which one is the best? Like the first one, is that what you said? Yeah. So I think the first two arcs are by uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson. Okay. Yeah. He did the first two arcs and like, er, like, like everyone that's worked on is like a creative that I like. Um, it's kind of just, they're just taking arcs in very different directions, which is probably a, the smart thing to do. Yeah. It's more or less just like what's going to click with you as a reader and an alien fan. Nice. Okay. I love that. Um, what about you, Aubrey? Any, or did you have any other comics, Chris? Two of the big ones for me um, would be Arbone's Dust. The, oh, um, yes. Okay. So the first two issues of that are out. I think it's going to be a four-issue run. So I just read those, and it was not at all what I was expecting. Yeah. I loved it. It's weird, right? And it's so it's so weird. And I was like, "This is I want more of this." <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! I, can't uh, wait. I actually I picked up those two issues. I can't wait to read that now. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not at all what I was like. I don't. I don't. I wasn't really expecting anything. I just like was. I opened it up and I was like, "Oh shit! This is fucking weird." Have you checked and that I, out, Ross? Any of that? Any of the art in that? No, I, I I meant to, and then I just I forgot to put it on my my list at the comic shop. So I'm probably gonna wait until it comes out in trade. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. It looks really interesting, like it, the designs and stuff. Yeah, I think I think that would appeal to you. Some of the weird designs, especially in that first issue, yeah. it was kind of it was wacky. Yeah, I was I was gonna wait for the trade, and then like my shop had they still had the first two issues on the shelf, and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna get yeah, it. So, you know, I can't resist. Four- yeah, <laughs> and then. The, the one other thing I have to recommend, I don't you know, for the Trekkies out there is from IDW, the current main title Star Trek series and Star Trek Defiant. It's basically both series are running parallel. The one series is it has a couple of the same writers working on it, but they, they kind of run it like a, a writer's room for TV. 
Okay, that's so. There's there's been a few writers coming in and out, but it's mostly um, Jackson Lansing and another writer that I'm unfortunately forgetting the name of. And then Star Trek Defiant is being written by Christopher Cantwell, who who uh, created oh my god, uh, Halt and Catch Fire, and he's written like a bunch of stuff for Marvel. So he he wrote like Doctor Doom and stuff for a while. But all the writers that are working on it, like I said, they're treating it like a writers' room for television. So continuity is correct nothing overlaps incorrectly and if you're a fan of like 90s star trek basically or like from next generation through voyager this is the series that you should be reading because it's it's kind of picking up all the loose ends from 90s trek and dropping a whole bunch of characters from different shows onto two ships and saying here you go this is what you wanted here's a bunch of fan favorite characters (laughs) and they're kicking ass across the galaxy and it's like it's still like classic Star Trek. It's not trying to be anything but Star Trek. So I I recommend that to anybody that's a fan. Okay, so um, I I am a fan, and I've actually yeah. been kind of curious about it. So thanks. They're Rick. they're truly truly excellent. I think they're the, they're probably they're absolutely top three Star Trek comics of all time. There's wow, a lot of stuff out nice. there. It just the writing doesn't sound like Star Trek. The artwork maybe was okay, whereas like the art in these issues like they capture the likenesses of like all the actors, no matter, no matter even if like the artist switches up from one arc to the next, I like that. Um, they know what they're doing. Nice. Like it's everything feels uniform without feeling like conveyor belt comic books. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. And the two series, I recommend both of them one, cause they're great, but two, because they kind of cross over a bunch. They've already done like, like a big story arc crossover event. Yeah. And now now both series are doing their own thing, so you could read them separately at this point, but there's still, like, different characters will pop up in the other series and kind of, like, drop some knowledge. <laughs> and nice. then they'll go back to their own ship. And so, But, yeah, highly recommend for the Trekkies out there. Awesome. That's yeah, a great um, one. Yeah. That's awesome. What about you, Aubrey? Did you have anything? I know you're probably mostly just reading the comics for the podcast, right? Like I am. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I, I, I read the Silver Surfer that we were supposed to read, so I'll save my thoughts on that one. Kathy and I just watched, because uh, I remember uh, last week I told you we were watching uh, Across the Spider-Verse and all that. So we watched we watched Into the Spider-Verse and then Across the Spider-Verse a second time. And <laughs> then we watched The Amazing Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time I go to watch that film, it's after I've already watched the Tobey Maguire films. And so I'm just like, you know, I already have that fresh in my mind. And I'm just all like, ugh. Why are we here at the beginning again? Right. So this time I was trying to watch it without without any of that baggage. And I mean, it's a good movie. It's just it's it's dark, and I don't mean like like the subject matter. I mean like it's like somebody needs to turn on a light. Yeah, see anything. <laughs> it's <just> dark. <laughs> it's just a dark movie. Yeah. No, I I'm mean I'll um... bend to everything, but you know the cast is great. I mean Andrew Garfield, uh, Emma Stone, fucking Dennis Leary. Yeah. You know. But um, yeah. And the uh, lizard, but but he's but he looks like a yeah. he looks like a turtle. He looks like one of the Ninja Turtles. But he's the he looks lizard. like a, he looks like one of those like lizards from uh, the Goomba from uh, Super Mario. Oh right, <laughs> he kind of does. Like I was I was always like when I saw that movie for the first time, I, I was just disappointed that he was running around naked the whole time. I wanted him to wear the lab coat. Yeah, oh, the God. purple oh. pants. Give me the purple like, pants and the lab coat. Yeah, at least give him the lab coat. At least the lab coat. Give him some decency. Yeah. yeah. And, and then there were just like other parts of the, I mean, you know, I, I ultimately I I do think it's a good Spider-Man movie, but it 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 just 
came out at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that I, was the um, second one went off was the rails so, a that, little bit. Oh, yeah. That was all Sony's fault because, you know, yeah, there's so gonna... many issues behind the scenes of like both of those movies, like what they were going to do, what they were trying to do. It's, it's, it, it, yeah, it's really insane. Yeah. Like the plot, yeah. the plot that is was in the trailer is like entirely cut out of the film. With like his parents and stuff. Oh, for the second one, yeah. right? You're talking about the like, second. Yeah, I remember like the trailer yeah, was yeah. all about like his parents being like secret agents. Agent. And I gotta say though, the um, I think it was Amazing Spider-Man to the the Rhino bookend scenes. Mm-hmm. Is, that's some of the best Spider-Man that's been put on film. I would uh, say. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. I gotta yeah. say, like yeah. the rest of that second movie with the one, um, what is it, um, Dehan is the goblin yeah, yeah does not work at all for me but those those scenes are just like like that's what every spider-man movie should have had is like a cold open where he's just fighting some you know random dude yeah like yeah. rhino or um you know so, someone who's never going to be like the starring villain of sure a, yeah you know, i like that the shocker yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, that's and you know what? That's why that's why like having there's like four villains if you think about it in um in I mean, Spider-Man yeah. Homecoming. But oh yeah, like it works right. because like they're not like Vulture's the main focus and like you see like the shocker, you see the tinkerer and you know, and they like he takes them oh, out yeah, like yeah. quickly. But yeah, like I I totally agree with Ross is that like I feel like every superhero movie should have like one scene like so like fans get the villain on screen and even if it's like he takes him out right away like you're like okay he was in a movie that was fun yeah, yeah. so that's it's kind of like yeah, that's why idea, i like those rhino scenes like the idea that these characters are existing outside the movie right yeah it's yeah. kind of playing and it's like like that's that's universe building done the right way um versus like like how the marvel the mcu now it's like homework Mm, where you oh, gotta yeah. you gotta like watch everything and, and like you know cat have have wikipedia open for the easter eggs you know and like it just i, I i've been i've gotten burnt out on on that stuff but i was like there's a there's a right way to do it yeah back, back when back yeah. when the studios didn't know what they were doing they would still every once in a while stumble upon which makes me think about the, the the parasitic like Sony Spider Universe. Oh with... yeah, all oh, right. <laughs> Venom. So I have not seen. Okay, I've actually seen the first Venom. I never saw a second Venom. I never saw Morbius. I find I still find it like joy in knowing that there's this like series of movies like Venom, Mor- Morbius, uh, Craven, and now Madam Web. Madam Web, yeah. Like yeah, like the fact that that those exist and that's very humorous to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like yeah. I, I probably will never watch them but i i like knowing that those movies exist yeah, i don't I, think uh, did i i don't know if i saw the first venom in theaters i don't know i don't think i did did i i, don't, I did I, I did for some reason I, it's I, not the worst I, I, no it's not um I, venom I, 2 was pretty bad venom 2 was i didn't see that one in the theater and see, i heard i heard i haven't seen say that, that one yet I was gonna say I heard a lot of people say that the second one was better because they they like leaned into the ridiculousness of it. Oh, okay. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then Morbius. I just I, I watched it on streaming. I waited for it to be free, you know, and then we <laughs> yeah, watched it, and and we just kind of made, and, and 
And to be honest, I'll probably wait for Madam Web and Craven to come to streaming before Cra- I watch Craven this. Actually, yeah. looks like that looks like a fun movie. Oh, okay. And, and Madam Web, like Madam Web, is set in two thousand five for some reason. Wow, that's weird. <laughs> what? Like, I don't, I don't know yeah. what that. It's like, it's like they <laughs> took, they took all of the like. Because there's been so many like Spider Girls and Spider Woman, and they took yeah. like they didn't even take the most popular versions of each of those. Right. I don't know. It's like very intriguing. Like this stuff that like, I mean, when they were first announcing these movies, it looked like it was a joke. Yeah. Like, like yeah, Sony's making Madam Web, and then now it's like, oh, like I can sort of see how some studio producer who doesn't really know anything about comics, he's like, oh, a team of, like, Spider-Girls, that'll, that'll you know, sell tickets. Right, Like, right. I can kind of see what they latched onto in terms of, like, the pitch, but, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, bizarre. I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see, like, it, really what, the, the, the crazy thing is, like, a lot of these movies make money, you know? Those Venom movies, they make money, and, uh, yeah. and, yeah, well, and, and if this one does, then they're going to do more of that. But people really like Venom. Yeah. I mean, even like non-comic book fans love that. But I think that's the problem is that same studio producer guy is like, what's what's a Venom? What's a Deadpool? Oh, these movies did really well. Yeah. And if they just like think any character has yeah. that same <laughs> built-in fan base and it's like, no. No, yeah. 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 I only recently saw the first Venom probably about like a year and a half ago. And I saw it because a friend of mine gave me a download code for it. And I watched <laughs> it on my phone. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, how cinema yes. was meant to be viewed, right? Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> and it was all right. And then um, that same friend just recently gave me a download code for Venom 2, but I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely fun stuff in Venom 2, but like, it's 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 a bad movie. Yeah, it's a bad movie. <laughs> it's definitely a bad movie. But yeah. it wasn't directed by Andy Serkis. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, oh, it that's was, too bad, yeah. <laughs> man. Um, but, well, uh, he, he normally stuff. does great stuff. Yeah, but uh, then the other thing that we watched recently, uh, we watched Adventures in Babysitting last night. Oh wow, I used to love oh, that Thor. movie. Yeah, Thor. Yeah, it was actually funny because we were talking about Thor. Oh, it's Vincent D'Onofrio, and... right? Yeah, it is yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio. Wow. Uh, so we were. We were talking about Thor, and then Kat- and Kathy brought up that scene, and I was just like, "Hey, we should just watch that movie." And we just turned it on, and then bam, next thing you know, we got the Babysitter Blues. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. Um, <laughs> man, that was a good movie. Well, is it a good movie on the rewatch? Yeah, I mean, it's still fun. I mean, it's an '80s flick, so yeah. it's like it, it is. You know, oof. it's an '80s movie, yeah. and the main characters are living a they're white people that live in a suburb so their view of the city is oh okay yeah it's a little yeah, racist so, or whatever it's a little like racist classes yeah, yeah. You know. but ultimately it's still fun elizabeth she was is great and you know yeah man yeah i have to rewatch that it's on that. disney plus oh cool yeah, but they edited it for some reason. It you know because like there's that line that's like "Don't fuck with the babysitter," but she says "Don't fork with the babysitter." And I'm what? Like, oh, now I can't. Now I gotta look for a physical copy of this movie. <laughs> oh, that's weird that they edited it. That's yeah. Do you have a Do you I, have a physical copy of this movie, Chris? I don't. <laughs> that surprises me. 
<laughs> you know what? I, it's not. It's uh. It's not a movie I grew up with. Um, oh, okay. I didn't see it until like college. Ah, oh wow! Okay. Okay. That's probably why. And then I wa- and then I saw it again like five years ago. Yeah, I, I uh, that was one of the ones like we. I didn't see it in the theater in the eighties, but I definitely saw it when it first came out on VHS, and we watched it all the time. Hmm. Yeah. Man, yeah. that's a good one. Very good. Uh, anything else? Anything else, you guys? Um, before we kind of move on, I've been watching a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we have time for the nine thousand whatever title. I, <laughs> no, I, go I, ahead. I'm I, just I, kidding. I, I, yeah, I know. Every sixteen movie you watched in January. <laughs> but actually, the movie I mentioned before that I watched on Tubi uh, from 2017 is called Cold Skin, mm. and. I knew nothing about it. I, like I said, I don't even remember why I put it on my watch list. So I, I threw it on last night and it's basically the lighthouse meets the descent meets the shape of water. Oh, wow. Okay. I like all those movies. So Ray Stevenson. Yeah. 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 In there. Okay. Cool. Right, um, so interesting. Not like, not incredible, but uh, a surprisingly weird and enjoyable watch. Okay. And then I also saw. Uh, Destroy All Neighbors, which is a bizarre, gross-out horror comedy that's on Shudder right now uh, with Alex Winter and Jonah Ray, who some people probably know from the reboot of Mystery Science Theater that was on Netflix a couple years ago. Very strange, struggling musician, and his girlfriend live in a shitty apartment building, and Alex Winter plays a uh, bizarre... European uh, neighbor that moves in next door who's in he's in a ton of like prosthetic makeup to make him look like an old gross man and (laughs) shit gets weird so if Uh, you have Shudder I definitely recommend that just for the weirdness nice Um, it's definitely not gonna be everyone's cup of tea but it's uh, pretty funny and just it's a it's just a bizarre thing to check out (laughs) Um, another one that's on Shudder right now is called Suitable Flesh it's a H.P. Lovecraft adaptation of The Thing on the Doorstep, starring Heather Graham, Barbara Crampton, and a few other character actors that you might know if you're into like weird horror stuff. Oh, and nice. It's, uh, it's strange. There's a curse. There's body swapping, gross-out horror, and Heather Graham is actually really good in it. And I, it's, I think she's kind of found her new calling now that she's not so much like an A-list person anymore. Mm, okay. Okay. Um, so very interesting. It, they, they kind of gender swapped some of the characters in a neat way. And it was originally, it was going to be a script for um, Stuart Gordon, who most people probably know for like reanimator and society, a lot of like gross mm. body horror flicks. So originally that was, it was going to be, it was, it was written for him to direct but since he passed away a few years ago joe lynch took the script and made this and it just came out so it's it's pretty good i think i gave it like a three and a half out of five on letterbox <laughs> um so if you like lovecraftian stuff it's not like all tentacles and such but it's it's uh body swapping curses sort of body horror sexual thriller all rolled into one nice okay nice very good like I, I, I watched. Um, I haven't ever had Apple TV before, so I watched the uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters series. Oh yeah, we're and, almost done with that. Uh, we wanted to wait until the whole thing was out, and now it is. We just haven't got a chance to go. Yeah, really, really intri- I, I was really intrigued by how um, Wyatt and Kurt Russell were playing the same character. Like 
that was just you know it was interesting to yeah, watch. Yeah, that's cool. I want to see that. And Godzilla minus one was amazing. Like oh yeah, amazing Godzilla movie. <laughs> but oh, and and then and then and then also so I've been finally watching Ted Lasso. Way behind on that one, but I haven't I've, seen. I've been, I still haven't seen it. I, 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 okay. What is it on? Apple TV. It, yeah. Yeah. See, TV. I don't have Apple TV, so I haven't seen any of these shows. But um, we've been we've been thinking about swapping one of our streaming services out to get that one, but we just haven't done it yet. Oh, I do have a recommendation though for for Apple TV, as okay. long as you're hanging on to it. Uh, Servant, which was um co-produced by M Night Shyamalan. Oh, it was okay. It was sort of like part of his the, comeback. Rupert Grant, right? Yep. Yeah, um, I actually got Apple TV to to watch that initially, okay. so I did like the the free trial and all that stuff at first. To, um, it's four seasons. I think it's like ten episodes a season, something like that. It's not super long. It's very strange, spooky, has you questioning everything from start to finish. It's it's really good. Um, he directed some of the episodes and like co-wrote some stuff, but it's. Uh, it was someone else's kind of like brainchild, and he helps kind of get it out into the public. So okay, that's why he's like a, put a, a head. On it. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely recommend that. I'm like halfway through Monarch. I was watching it weekly, and then I kind of fell off, and now I'm on like episode like six or seven. Yeah, we have the last three on Monarch to pretty much. Uh, I'd recommend Severance on Apple TV Plus. That show was really good. Oh yeah, I have to get to that too. Yeah. The only th- I, I haven't really seen anything, um, you know, uh, and, and I want to kind of save this one for when Danielle comes on because I'm sure she'll want to talk about it. But uh, we watched um, the Greatest Night in Pop. It's on Netflix. It's about the making of We Are the World. Um, oh wow! <laughs> and uh, that just came on Netflix yesterday, I think. So I don't want to talk about it too much because, like I said, I know Danielle's going to want to talk about it when she comes back on. But it, it it was pretty good. It was worth watching. Like you know, when I was a kid, I I don't know. I'm a, I'm I think I'm a little older than than you, Chris. Um, but uh, it was a big deal when when that song came out. You know, and um, and yeah. there was like a and there was a making of it already because I remember that they showed one. They they were showing one on TV. And I remember yeah, watching I, that as a kid. And so I remember I, watching that too. I was thinking that this is going to be a rehash of all of that, but actually they didn't show a lot of that stuff, which I thought was really interesting. They talked about different stuff, but it was still pretty interesting. So I recommend like, actually, if you're into that kind of stuff, like it was interesting to watch. I'd recommend watching both of them. The old one, I think it's still on YouTube and then this new one, because they kind of showed two different sides of it, but it's just interesting to see all those famous people in the same room together. Like one of the things they talk about is like they didn't have their managers, they didn't have their entourage or their producers, or it's just them, you know. Um, yeah. And having to be with each other all in the same room, it was just really interesting. I don't know, just um, if you were into any of the music of that time, it's just like a weird it, time capsule of you know everyone that was famous right then. Uh, on a similar note, I just watched the the Thriller Forty documentary about just the 40th anniversary of thriller as an album oh wow Um, so that that's on showtime and paramount plus so if you have both or if like like me i have like the showtime package with paramount plus i was able to watch it just on on paramount right Um, it's not like a groundbreaking documentary or anything but it has some really interesting interviews with um people all throughout like the music industry people that were working with Michael Jackson back then people that were influenced by Michael Jackson and just a lot of never before seen footage and, and audio recordings were part of the documentary too. So I, so if you're a fan, I definitely recommend that. Okay. 
Cool. Okay. Awesome. One of the things, so I guess to bring it back to comics, um, I did want to talk about some comic stuff today, but I also, um, before we before we move on, um, I wanted to mention the Six Fingers. That is the Image comic series that's com- that, that that's going to be coming out by Lawrence Campbell. And uh, I, when I was at my comic book store this week, I went ahead and pulled out my phone and I was like, what was the name of that book again? And so I told them, you know, put this on my box, The Six Fingers. So yeah, do it before it comes out and let your comic book store pre-order it, support uh, Lawrence Campbell's books and all that good stuff. So yeah, I definitely want to check that out. It looks amazing from the promotional art that's been released. Have you guys seen any of that stuff on, on social media? Uh, probably because yeah, I follow, I follow Lawrence on everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you check his social media, and I think Jerry's been uh, sharing some of that on Mike Mignola's art too, to kind of promote it and stuff like that. So it looks cool. I'm definitely going to check that out. But one of the things that we were talking about as we were trying to like throw together an episode on the random was uh, like a comic, and I was asking Aubrey, do you know anything short or just something that came out, you know, that we could talk about? And Aubrey, you were talking about this Death in the Family, Robin Lives. Um, this just yeah. came out, right? I believe so. It says, from the DC vault. The shocking yeah. alternate ending that you were never allowed to see by Starlin, Aparo, and DiCarlo. Okay, we all know, like, Death of the Family. Like, there's yeah. A, you know, there was, after the second issue or the third issue, no, the second issue, there was a number you could call and whether Robin lived or died, and it was, like, 70 votes difference between live or dead. And apparently they put this both comics together just in case whichever one won. And so this is the other one that they put out. Right, yeah. And yeah. Um, so it's the alternate version of that. I think that's wild, too, that like people were like, yeah, kill him. Do you think that would happen now? <laughs> Do you think people would, would like, if they did it today, people would be like, yeah, fucking kill Robin. Or like, or do you think like people would just make bots to, like you know, whatever outcome they wanted? It I would think it be would be the such bots. a shit show today. <laughs> yeah, and it would, and you know what? It would be like, yeah, kill him, and then like his gravestone would have to say like Bodie McBoatface or something. Yeah. <laughs> Here lies Jason, the worst Robin. <laughs> yeah, it would. It would be awful. So, so like, I have not actually read this, you know, these comics, but the, but like, I'm aware of like the story behind it, and I'm really intrigued by how the episodic or like, um periodical release of comics allows creators to respond to like what the fans and readers oh yeah are reacting you know and and like this is probably one of like the the top examples of that and like now i feel like s- social media has kind of ruined this because you have people weighing in who aren't really invested. Right. Whereas, yeah. whereas like when this was released, the only people who are going to bother to call in are people who are passionate Batman fans. Sure. Who really care about, they either, you know, like this new Robin or they hate this new Robin. Um, they're not just clicking on some clickbait thing. Right. Sure. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, absolutely. I think if they were to be like, Oh, let's, you know, kill off a character today no one would care because it's just become such a trope mm, that yeah. it's like, it doesn't mean anything. They're just going to bring the character back when they feel like it. But this, this kind of like gimmicky stuff, like prior, prior to the kind of like social media era, it's, it's really interesting to me, like how the story, right. It was kind of dictated by the audience. There's, there's no other medium that I can think of that, that 
happens in. Right. Yeah. Right? Like, like you couldn't a, t- a television TV show the way they they used to film. You know, they would kind of give themselves some time mid season to kind of like course correct. Mm. But like, it's not as immediate as like monthly comics, right? Right. Yeah. One thing I find interesting about this whole this whole death in the family storyline is, it's like this came out like right after like Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One and The Killing Joke. It all came out around that same time, but like this one is just it's it's a little different than the others. I mean, it's got that iconic thing that happened, but if Robin hadn't died, nobody would give a shit about this story. The, the, okay, wow, Aubrey, I'm I'm amazed that you said that because when I was so I was reading this and. Um, and then I was like, well, let me go back and look at Death in the Family because I used to think that was a cool comic. Like, that was one of the first trades that I think I got. Same. And and the reason why you buy it is because you're like, oh, this is the one where Robin dies. And look, here's the part where the Joker fucking beats him with a crowbar and all this shit. And look at this right. weird part where the Joker's wearing flesh-colored makeup, makeup. and he looks all weird <laughs> or whatever. You know? <laughs> like it's he's like flesh makeup and black hair. And, and look at this other part where he's the Ayatollah or whatever. You know? No, no. He's the ambassador to the uh, to the UN from the Iranians. Oh, there, there you go. Or something like that. Handpicked by Ayatollah Khomeini That's himself. what it is. Okay. And so... But so I I went I pulled the trade and I was kind of flipping through the trade and then I was like let me look at the trade and then look at this issue as I'm flipping through it like instead of and then I'm like it's not as interesting is it it's not a great story right yeah. it really isn't because it's like okay so the Joker becomes the ambassador so Superman and Batman have to go to the UN and 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 get him that way and it's just kind of like <laughs> what. <laughs> The Joker steals a nuclear bomb for some reason. Yeah. Oh man. And then it is Jason Todd finds his mom, but she's somehow connected with the Joker, and it's like the, the, a lot of random stuff kind of has to happen for Batman and Robin to for Ro- Batman to be there to find Robin's dead body because it's just kind of like it's just kind of like happenstance that that his mom is there with the Joker, right? I don't know. If yeah. There's ever, ever I mean, any real reason why they're together? Well, I think, like, Joker, or she was, like, stealing medicine from the aid organization she was working with, and Joker was selling, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had, like, they had, like, an agreement, but it was, like, she didn't know he was the Joker. Oh, okay. Oh, That's what yeah. it was. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. But it's yeah. also... But then, but, then you, but then you get, like, those scenes where he beats him with a crowbar, and that's, like... That's intense. <laughs> yeah, and the panel layout on that is just really amazing, and it's just like, um, you know, when um, there's that part in The Dark Knight where Heath Ledger is hitting, beating Batman with a big crowbar, and it's like, ah, you know, that's it. You know, they're trying to they're trying yeah. to harken back to that, or you know, kind of recreate that. I thought that that was so cool. So I guess like you know, if you guys have looked at this issue or spoiler or whatever, what I was surprised by, what I was most shocked by, was like how. It doesn't really change anything that happens in the story. Not a thing. Yeah. It's really just, just like a couple of pages. He's just in the hospital bed. Yeah, yeah. It's just, and then when Batman finds him, he has this goofy smile on his face where he's like, "He's alive." <laughs> and I get it, you know. I mean, you know, like, yeah, obviously, you know, he could be dead, and now he's alive. You're going to be excited, but it looks so, a little silly, you know. In that, <laughs> how, how long? How long? Like, I'm as a I'm a casual Batman fan. Like, I've read, you know, some of the dark knight and stuff how long after they killed jason todd did it take for them to introduce tim drake is it yeah tim drake uh a lonely place or dying came out like a year later 
Okay. So like they had, so they knew like either either he was going to be in the hospital or he was going to be dead. So they had issues yeah. of just Batman, kind of like that wouldn't have been affected either way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this was issue four twenty eight, mm-hmm. and Tim Drake's first appearance is Batman four thirty six. It's not even ten <laughs> issues later. <laughs> He's not even, and then and then he's and then I think he's he ends up being Robin like a few issues after that, right? Yeah, yeah, because the lonely place of dying is about him becoming Robin, right? And that's like what three or four issues. It's uh three issues of Batman and two issues of Teen Titans. Okay, okay, there you go. Yeah, so I almost feel like it'd be more subversive today if like a comic company killed off a character and was like vote whether or not they come back to life, and everyone's like no. Like, like, okay, who's a character who quote unquote died recently? Like Kamala Khan. Oh right, yeah. Like, can you imagine if they opened that up to like a, a, a online voting, and then everyone was like, "Nope, keep her dead, keep we her dead," her and then that's it. And then they just can't and use that character be, like, anymore. Troll, you know, it'd be like all trolls voting on it. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. Would, yeah. Actually, people who care about the character, it's, especially with a character like Kamala Khan, like you'd have like yeah. all those fucking racist dudes. Yeah, like, keep her dead, like. That's why they can't do this anymore. Like, yeah, yeah, <sighs> it's exhausting. Yeah, but I, 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 I thought it was a cool issue. I thought it was cool that they did this from the DC vault, but it was really only two. I want to say two or three pages that were different. Right? Is it more than that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's barely any. Like, there, the the one where there's the funeral, like that page is exactly the same, except they took out Jason's casket. And so it was just his mom. I had downloaded the Death in the Family Deluxe Edition on the Kindle. Is the one that you guys are looking at, is it like finished pages with, with colors and letters? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's totally okay. like it would have came if it, this was the one that got released. This just has like back matter that shows the line art. Ah, okay. Oh, okay. And I had and seen that not, before, yeah. Yeah, it's not the full pages. It's like, It's even like... They would have pasted it in almost hmm. like some some of the panels are the exact same. And then there would have been like these alternate panels that covered up other panels. Yeah. But then also it's like um, it even has like the original ads yeah. that ran in the comic. It's kind of it's it's neat as a nostalgic version. I mean, I'm reading this on the DC Infinity app. And so, you know, I didn't really have to spend any money for it. But it's just sort of like I like the idea that they put the ads in it. Yeah, I, I thought that was fun, neat, too. You know? Yeah, but like, so I was reading it and I was like, oh, are they going to do like a from the DC vault issue four? But then I, when I went and looked back at the trade, I was like, wait a minute, it doesn't change anything. It it literally doesn't change anything of the ending that Robin lives. Yeah, I was reading something somewhere they're saying that um, they tried to make it as little would be changed as possible just in case the outcome of the vote, because, you know, right, right. I guess making the because they probably had to you know like plot out the whole four issues anyway. Right, right, yeah. Uh, to be honest, so has, releasing releasing this issue kind of shows how much of a gimmick it was. Yes, yeah. yes, it's, it's, it really does. It almost, exactly. It almost feels like it feels like they were hoping that he would be voted to die because truly, it's not an interesting story. Otherwise, it it's, really isn't. It's just. It's just a generic Batman story. Yeah. And like it what would really what is. would they have would they have still called it a death in the family if he lived? Like what would they like Well because the mom, mom dies. That's bullshit. Yeah, it is, right? <laughs> it is. But but yeah, no, you're exactly right, Chris. It is it was just a gimmick all along. That's so that's so crazy to think about. 
Because it felt like, for you know, for the last 30-plus years, it felt like it would have had more of an impact one way or the other. Like, if he had lived, it would, like... I mean, if he had lived, well, we, we would have had Jason... Drake. Yeah, we wouldn't have Tim, Tim Drake, or we would have gotten him, like, later. And then... Without his death, we wouldn't. There's no way we would be. We wouldn't have like all the Red Hood stuff that started in the early 2000s. Right. Yeah. Yep. Which is some of the the that's the that's the best. That's that's yeah. That's like some really cool stuff. I mean, you know. So yeah. I mean, it was a smart decision. I think that the stuff that came out of it was better, and this comic was better because of it too. You know, one of the one of the things that I really enjoyed. You know, to bring it back to Mignola, right? Uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed as going through the trader, the the covers. I remember the covers mm-hmm. being so striking uh, yeah, when right. I first saw them. Like, it's just like such a weird version of these characters. Like, their faces are a little bit more broad and just solemn, and it kind of looks like, oh yeah, that's what a dude in a mask would look like, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. so weird those covers. I mean, but... even even the the cover that's you know was reproduced for this issue. With uh, Jason getting blown up, I, yeah. it's it's one of the iconic covers. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! yeah. You know, it's scary. You're watching a beloved, or I guess not so beloved, but you know, <laughs> a well a well known superhero yeah. dying on on the cover. Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting is like you know, like this story also got picked up by like the mainstream press, and they they didn't make the distinction that it wasn't Dick Grayson that died. It was, you know, Jason Todd. And so people were like, Oh my God, how dare you kill this character that I've loved for like 40 years. I'm just like wrong character. You don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What was the last time you actually opened a comic book? No. But you know what? That's so funny because that's something that would happen today too. People would be like, "Oh." Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but then I was also reading that what they what they learned from this story, they were able to apply that to the death of Superman a few years later. Oh, okay. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So in so in a bad way, this kicked off like the death of as a gimmick. Um, if you think about that, like we just talked about all the good stuff that it created for, you know, the character and, you know, Red Hood and all that. But I guess the bad message was like, yeah, just kill a character to sell comics. And then the death of Wolverine, the death of Captain America. Um, the return of Wolverine. Yeah. The return of Captain America. <laughs> <There you> <laughs> I do have I have a I do have a soft spot for the whole death and return era of Superman, though. I, I, I had like those. Big- oh, yeah. I had like that giant trade of Return of Superman. I just I was I read that probably forty times when I was a kid. So, oh yeah, oh, I, uh, I, I, I actually I, have that. I have. I was like, I have the novelization of the Return of Superman, the Death and Return of Superman, and I read that book like so many fucking times. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I, I, I loved all that stuff too. I have the Fossil Watch. <laughs> oh, has, nice. Uh, it has the four Superman emblems on it from the ones, and it nice. came with like a coin, and it was like numbered or something like that. Anyway, it's Actually, all it's um, all trashed by now. Um, but anyway, <laughs> speaking of, as long as we're on that subject, a couple weeks ago they they put out the that 30th anniversary one shot for uh, Death of Superman, and oh, I didn't see that. Uh, I yeah, I just read it like two days ago. They, it was another thing they put out like a bunch of covers for it and it's you know it's an anthology of stories basically um it's it's now within superman canon where cyborg superman comes back and he's like wreaking havoc and no one really knows why and uh superman is off world doing whatever so 
the like Steel and Superboy and the Annihilator. Is that what he's called? No. Yeah. Or yeah, the, the Eradicator. No, no, no. It was a uh, Eradicator. 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 Yeah, they all come back to fight Cyborg Superman, and while that's happening, you're getting stories from like Lois Lane and Perry White about like what they were going through during the events of the death of Superman. So it was a cool, it's actually pretty good. I was, I was pleasantly surprised with it. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out. I thought it was just like a reprint or something like that. No, no. Yeah, no, it's, it's like a whole new special anthology. Like, and it, and it, some of the panels from like return of Superman and and death of Superman are recreated for this. Like, cause they overlap with the stories that the, the stories that the characters are telling. I was, oh, I was, I I was really like pleasantly that. surprised. Yeah, I think you'll definitely like it. And there's a there's a bit of a twist as to why Cyborg Superman comes back, and it's kind of it's kind of fucking bleak. Oh because wow! Because it's it there's like a whole th- like you as the reader by the end are let in on the secret, and none of the other characters are, and you're like, and I literally was like, holy fuck, when I put it down, like. Wow. wow, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah. I'm, I'm really intrigued and to read this. And it's just a one shot. I was like, I was like, they should do more. Yeah, like, I, I was hoping it would be like a like. Usually, I'm like, yes, yeah, a one shot. Like, I don't have to read eight issues. <laughs> this, I was like, I was like, there should be like another like one or two issues yeah. like following Where's up. But I think they it? wanted, I think they wanted to like leave you with this feeling of you know maybe the people that were following in comics aren't always making the right decision or they're not or they're making a decision without all of the facts sure sure yeah Mm. so i i I was i was really intrigued by that so um yeah i i held off on reading it because i was like oh you know i'm sure it'll be like a cool little like tie-in thing because there's been other stuff recently that's tied into old storylines that haven't been very good so i picked this up out of just out of like the intrigue and and my nostalgia for that era of superman but yeah it ended up being really good. Did you oh, see wow. the Reign of the Superman animated movie? <clears throat> I did. I thought it was okay. I thought it was pretty good. I was like, right, or it, it was like the yeah. They tried to do like an animated. Ver- I was like, I, I thought it was all right. I mean, considering what they yeah. were adapting, you know, I was like, man, that actually made sense. Um, yeah, because they've <laughs> done they've done what like two two versions of Death of Superman as an animated movie, and the second one was definitely better. Right. And then yeah, I think yeah, I, I would say I would say Rain felt to me like as as good as that second adaptation of, of Death. Yeah, yeah. I thought that, okay. that was pretty good too. Anyway, just also thinking yeah. of uh other things involving those characters. were you a fan of all that stuff, Ross? Um Death of Superman and all that stuff? Weirdly, because I wasn't I didn't read a lot of DC growing up, but weirdly, yeah, like the Death of Superman trade and the Death of Superman like those are some of the few DC comics I had, and like there's certain things that stick in my memory that I have no context for, but like I always thought it was cool as a kid. So like Supergirl gets like punched and turns into some weird like protoplasm. Thing. Oh yeah, and I, true and Supergirl. I, yeah. I don't know what that is, and that's okay. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, so like in, in my head, Canon Supergirl is like a weird slime shapeshifter. Yeah, in, in, in every iteration, because because that was imprinted on me at a young age. And then <laughs> and then like, uh, what's his name? Is it Bloodwind? Just some random <laughs> character that like I thought was really important, and like and like now he's just one of those like footnote characters, but. Yeah, I don't he's know. A, I he's got like some... a bottom rung Suicide Squad member. <laughs> no, uh, he's like a 
uh, maybe I got the name wrong, but he's like he's got like white outfit with like a red cape and some like jewelry, and I don't know, like he's somehow <laughs> connected to Martian Manhunter or something. Oh, I don't know. I think I, think I had looked it up. Okay, I'm trying to remember. I had looked it up one time, and it was like I I'm still know, stuck on this uh, Supergirl being punched into because <laughs> I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot <laughs> about this. Holy shit, what happened? That was when she was a she was a slimy protoplasm creature from another dimension or something. And she was like crushing on Lex Luthor, who at the time had like long red hair, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and he was going at he was portraying himself as his own son from right. Australia. <laughs> see, and that's see, this is why we need you, Aubrey, because this whole time I always thought he was Lex Luthor's son because I never read like. I never read like a ton of Superman. Right. I read like pockets. So I was like, oh yeah, Lex Luthor Jr. Yeah. Red hair. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> that that's what I think is like I think we for people who appreciate continuity or want everything to have like make sense and fit. Mm-hmm. Um, like don't like why do you even read comics? You know? And like I get that's like a, <laughs> that's a large percentage of comic book readers. But, like, to me, part of the fun of comics is just these wacky tangents and stuff that creators will come in and do. And then the next person comes in and is like, nope, not doing that anymore. And, like, and I, and I so I appreciate when, when that is embraced instead of attempted to, like, streamline everything. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, DC's yeah, doing know. a lot of that right now, actually. Like, they, they have, all, like, all their ongoing books you know, like, like usual, but they're throwing out like a lot of this, like these mini series, these one shots that are like just any, it could be any continuity, any Canon, it doesn't matter. And that's some of the best stuff that they're doing right now. Like, like you guys covered Catwoman, Lonely City, like, yeah, yeah. It it comes down to the, like, have they adopted old woman selena into the dcu because i was looking at a comic the other day and it looked like i was like oh that's the Catwoman from lonely city but she was in a regular book no because that's that's definitely like an elseworlds kind of thing oh okay so uh, is it just I, that selena's I, old in the comic now or something or she was all uh, tough and i don't know maybe i don't know maybe i was looking at the wrong I, thing I, I feel like you know maybe they were just showing her like in a like a flash forward or oh something. maybe that's what it was because the way she looks in lonely city is kind of like how you would assume she's gonna look when she's older yeah yeah yeah, and right now, I actually haven't read it. I have the first two issues of the Batman City of Madness. Is that what it's called by Christian Ward? Um, oh, I have those too. That, um, that, that looks incredible. I'm really excited to get into that. that. Uh, yeah, City of Madness. I have that, and I have um, the first two issues of Batman Gargoyle of Gotham, which is like another. It's it's all like this black label, like you know, all these. Oh, like, Raphael Grandpa, I like him. Yeah, I have no idea what it's about. I was just like, I'm like, oh, cool, a new miniseries that's like outside of the main continuity that I don't, you know, I yeah. can just dive into. That is cool. So I haven't read those yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, like, that's the type of stuff I enjoy is like the, the stuff that isn't so reliant on continuity and like the creators just get to do their own thing because I feel like that's like, the nature of comics in the U.S. with the big two. Yeah. Like, I was getting into a discussion online with a few people about, you know, you kind of have two types of readers. You have people who follow 
characters and titles, and then you have people who follow creators. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm definitely firmly in like the creator camp, right? So like when I was most into Marvel, I was reading everything that Bendis wrote because right. like he was kind of like right. my guy. Like one of the when I got back into comics was when he had done Avengers Disassembled, and like. I read that. I didn't know anything really about the Avengers, but then I'm like, well, like this is cool because now Wolverine and Spider-Man are on the team, right? And, yeah. and that was exactly the goal. They were like, let's make Avengers cool to people yeah, who yeah. don't like the Avengers, yeah. right? But yeah, like I think that that's kind of one of the interesting things about the the medium of comics is, and like comparing that to manga, like manga, you have one manga creator who will do... 50 volumes of their series right and then yeah. they have like a studio you know they might have assistants and stuff but it's like one person's vision right you don't yeah. see that in u.s comics like you have a few you know like savage dragon or hellboy you might have a few walking dead right examples right. of that mm-hmm. but for the most part it's the characters that have lasted and with a revolving door of creators it's interesting like comparing the types of stories and like the way that like things will evolve because you guys were talking about like red hood earlier right Mm -hmm. like why like is it a coincidence or is it intentional that they bring back jason todd around the same time they bring back bucky as winter soldier sure right like why why do these things happen in marvel and dc are are they like you know is it just a coincidence or is there something about the history of comics and like the readers growing up like there's certain stories that are gonna just come out of that soup i don't know how to put it but yeah yeah i don't know i would i would love to see more of marvel and dc like just leaning into like just let daniel warren johnson do whatever he wants you know just let yeah whoever do whatever they want and like we we know who these characters are like we don't need like for me personally, I enjoyed the Spider Verse movies just fine. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need that framework to explain all these different versions of Spider Man. Like I feel like some people need, like that's why the multiverse stuff is popular right now. Is people need some sort of framework to justify why all these different versions of the characters exist. And and it's like I don't, I don't need some in-universe explanation for why Adam West Batman and Frank Miller's Batman both exist in the multiverse sure yeah. <laughs> you know i can i can take each one for for what it is um but but, but I literally that's that's all yeah. the explanation you need is that it's a multiverse boom yeah yeah, yeah and then i don't find um i don't find the stories about the multiverse so interesting because it, it's like no it's enough that these different versions of the characters exist and it's it's fun to you know see different people put their own right take on it yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see more of that in, in mainstream comics or really invest in a creative team and let them do, you know, 150 issues of a story. Yeah. You know, yeah. with the same yeah. writer, same artist, like like do either or don't like I feel like right now they try to have their cake and eat it, too, where they're constantly rebooting things while still trying to maintain continuity. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets kind of exhausting after a while, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. At this point, you're lucky if you get the same creators on like 50 or 60 issues. Yeah. I, yeah. I even think like Some, the first something like Immortal Hulk or yeah. Or, I even uh, think like the first two story arcs. Like a lot of times they'll have an awesome team for like the first arc, and then it's like, yep. eh, 
after that, you know, they just started putting in randos or whatever people, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. like right now I'm reading, uh, I'm reading the new Ghost Rider series, which has been really good. And, and it's like a really good horror series as well as being a, a good Ghost Rider story. But uh, they've already changed up creative teams. It's still been consistently good, but it was kind of like. Yeah, you kind of go, oh, man, left. you know. Yeah, they left after 10 issues or whatever, and now yeah. it's someone else. And Yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, like I'm looking at my shelf right now. Like, like we were talking about, like, completionists and stuff. Like, a couple years ago, I just decided that I wanted to own, like, all of Daredevil. <laughs> so I just started buying everything up. And it's like I have five volumes by Mark Wade or whoever, and that's probably yeah. 100-plus issues. And so I, I basically have everything from Frank Miller to the – the Zadarsky run that just ended. I have everything. What's your favorite run? In, what's your favorite artist uh, writer run in there? If I had to put you on the spot, like I am doing right now. <laughs> so I really liked a lot of the Bendis stuff. Yeah. I, I still have to. I still have to read a lot of it. I bought a lot of it, and it's just sitting here still. And then I, I had read uh, the Back in Black run. That was the Charles Soule. Okay. That had various artists on it, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I like that. And then I have like, like I said, I have like the Frank Miller stuff, the Kevin Smith stuff. Oh yeah, um, yeah. There's some David Mack stuff in there, right? In the Kevin Smith yep, stuff, yep. I love that. Yeah, stuff. Oh, David man. Mack. Yeah, and then Bendis takes over after David Mack. Yeah. Um, that issue with like, Ruth is Baker. it is it Frogman's like autistic son? Yes, yes. <laughs> that, that's a good issue. Man, that's a good one. Yeah, I know which exactly the one you're talking about. Man, that's a great. We should cover that on the podcast sometime. Um, and then in the middle, I have Daredevil Yellow, the you know the Jeff Lowe. Oh hell sale. yeah, that's a good one. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. I I love the Alex Maleev Bendez stuff. I I just think that stuff is in it's oh, just yeah. top tier comics for me. But the the Brew Baker is a close second because um, that yeah. Brew Baker run uh, I think with Michael Lark is the artist on that one. That oh. one's pretty incredible too. Yeah. I think Lark does the whole thing almost. Yeah, I I, I really love and then, both and of those. And Greg Rucka is on it on some of it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, the awesome. uh, Bend that... yeah the Bendis Malief stuff's great. Is the Brubaker Rucka stuff between Bendis and Mark Wade? Or like what's... yep, yes, yep, exactly. Okay. Well, then... well, Bendis basically. <laughs> leaves it on a he ends his run on like a huge thing that happens and then fucking brubaker has to pick it up from there so it's almost like yeah. brubaker does part two of what yeah. ben does and sets then, up and then by the time you get to because i've read wade is the one that starts out with the spot right there's like him fighting the spot at a wedding i don't remember that's the one where he's like i'm not daredevil read, right or i haven't read the wade stuff, stuff yet yeah. okay yeah, I don't know. There's like an issue where like he like he uses his um, baton, like what do you call it? With like it's got this the Billy wire Club attached to it. The Billy Club. He like ties the spot all up with that so that he can't keep like portaling his arm through himself. Uh. I don't know. It's like, but it's something that like I uh, have to go back and dig that up because because it, it, it's one of those things where like as an artist you look at it and you're like, how the hell did the artist look at the script and like make any sense of like how am i supposed to draw this yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow i'm gonna have to yeah. go check that out awesome all right well that was a good that, that was a good discussion on comics uh we, we got some good comics talking there yeah um i i, I, re I really appreciate you guys coming on to hang out with me and aubrey tonight and yes, um and, and i actually feel all right you know I, I i actually i think i feel better than when we started recording 
Um, so I don't know what that's about. Maybe it's just the power of friendship. Aww. <laughs> there it is. All right. So anyway, I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. And let us know what you think um, of what uh, manga comics you're enjoying. If you have any recommendations for Ross to check out. Or just anything about anything that we've talked about today. I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, Batman, Death in the Family, or Death of Superman, any of the stuff that we've talked about. And um, we'll be back next week. We'll be back. To, uh, hopefully, Daniel will be feeling better and we can do our Silver Surfer finale. And now, Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. This has been fun hanging out with you, uh, with uh, Chris and Ross today. Thank you guys for coming on. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah so uh, like John said, I want to hear what you guys have been watching and seeing and saying. And what are you thinking about? Uh, what did you think of Death on the Family? Have you read it? I mean, or is it just something you know about? You can send us a hey, you damn guys at Book Club Member Comics. Yes, you can send us a hey, you damn guys at Book Club Member Comics at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Book Club Member Comics and on Twitter at Book Club Members. And as always, you can find all of our resources on our Podbean website and our link trees on our socials. Once again, thank you, Ross and Chris, for coming on. Uh, check their links in the any... show notes. Yes, check their links in the show notes. Our theme song is from Only Beast. Check out their new album, Long Con. Thanks, Aubrey. Um, oh, did you change the music on the last episode? Oh, you caught that. I, I changed uh, yeah. I changed the outro on the on the, on the last episode. Yeah, I thought I'd I thought I'd play yeah, around I, with something different. So anyway. Yeah, I caught that too. I was like, ooh. That's <laughs> uh, from the new album, right? I'm yes, assuming. it is. It's it's from okay. the last track. You can get the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And when you're there, open it up and give us that five star review. Every little bit helps. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing, tell a friend, have them join the book club. Everybody wants to be a book club member. Do it. Yes. And like John said, next week we are going to be back doing our Silver Surfer finale episode. I hope. Uh <laughs> this always happens when we're supposed to do Silver Surfer, right? Something always happens, know, right? So, <laughs> yes, so we'll see. We'll see if we, if it comes out next week. Then, then good. If if not, then I'm sure that you guys will be fine with it. Yeah. So you guys know what to do. Fill out them trades, floppies, digitals, omnis, and join us next week at Book Club Member Comics. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Ross Radke, and I'm a gimmick. Good night, Robert. You love to see. Don't fuck with the babysitter. Oh, yes. <laughs> Uncensored. <laughs>